I'm Megan French Dunbar, co-founder and CEO of Conscious Company Media, and welcome to World Changing Women. Each week, we interview some of the most badass female founders in the world to get their insights on how they've built game-changing companies that actually have a positive impact on the world. Our hope here is to inspire and help people of all backgrounds who feel like starting a business or chasing their dream is out of their reach to reconsider. We'll hear the good, the bad, and sometimes even the ugly of what it takes to start and build something incredible. And we hope that every episode will leave you inspired, hopeful, and with practical tips that will help you along your journey. Welcome to World Changing Women. I have three months of maternity leave and I have this kind of moment of do it now and, and, and pretty much fail or succeed and keep going. And we just haven't stopped since then. After loving eating microwave popcorn during her pregnancy, but not being able to find a healthy option that didn't have all those gross chemicals and bad for you ingredients, Christy Lewis began researching healthier packaging and ingredient options for microwave popcorn a mere three days into her first maternity leave. She'd been frustrated with the fact that no one had created a better for you microwave popcorn for years and decided to see what she could do about it during her three month maternity leave. Little did she know that this would lead to her launching her own company that would disrupt an entire industry. On this episode, Christy details how she started her company by asking a ton of questions, how she's kept it alive for more than eight and a half years, and why having passion for what you're doing is one of the most critical components. What I'd love to hear from you, Christy, is, is where you were in your life right before Quinn Snacks. Sure. So I was working at a company called Harmonics Music Systems. They were in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Um, and I was the executive assistant to uh, one of the co-founders, Arana Gozi. Um, and I was pretty much doing everything. And, and the greatest thing about that job was I came in kind of knowing nothing. I was more of a people person. I think that's why they hired me. Um, but I was doing a lot of like uh, project coordination stuff. They were going through litigation at the time. So I was exposed to that and working with attorneys and lawyers. They were developing rock band. Um, if you know of or are familiar with Beatles of rock course, band. Yes. They were, <laughs> it was a really fun time to, to work there, to be a part of that entire experience. But um, it was completely fascinating. I learned so much from him um, before Quinn. Um, I was there for three years and I was planning on going back, but I, I obviously didn't. And just for, for context, kind of what year was this? That was, I started that in 2000 and I want to say seven or eight. Um, and Quinn, the real Quinn was born in 2010. So I started the company Quinn right after Quinn three days, three days later, I jumped in. So yeah, let's, let's talk about that. You know, 2007 to 2010, you have a child named Quinn and you also birth a company. Uh, talk us through the story. What happened? Yeah. So, I mean, Quinn was, was founded on this very simple idea that we wanted to reimagine classic snacks, all the, the childhood snacks that I grew up loving. Um, but while also having a massive impact on our food system. And that really meant cleaning up classic snacks, making them healthier, making them better for you, and also following um, our farm-to-bag transparency policy, which we developed later on. Um, but yes, that, that first year of having Quinn and jumping into Quinn, um, 
I think the only way, well, definitely was not seen. I don't recommend doing that at all. <laughs> but, but the only way I think that really kind of happened was I had been thinking about reinventing microwave popcorn um, for eight years prior to. So in my early 20s, I became kind of obsessed with understanding and reading um, nutritional panels. Um, so going into the grocery store, I kind of was exposed to farmer's markets in my early 20s. So the farmer market at, at New York City, and then we moved to um, West Palm Beach, and they had this amazing farmer's market. And I, I became really kind of infatuated with these these growers um, coming to these markets and selling these products that just had real food in them, Right. Um, and microwave popcorn, essentially, it really should just be popcorn and butter. But the product that's in the marketplace, um, you know, the, the microwave popcorn was either just popcorn in plastic bags. Um, that Really, the microwave popcorn bag is lined with plastic chemical coatings and the susceptor patch. Um, and then the flavors were not butter. It was less than 2% butter most times, but artificial colors, flavors, natural flavorings. And I didn't really understand why that existed. Like there was no healthier option. Um, and so I started experimenting um, using a brown paper bag. I, I did some Google searches on how I could figure out how to microwave my own popcorn because I wanted to eat a better for you version. Um, and that was still in my early 20s. Um, and I started making my own using Parmesan and um, I did garlic at the time. Um, then par Parmesan and rosemary, and then using, you know, just real butter, then experimenting with sweet and salty. Um, so that was kind of this, this build on eight years of hoping someone was going to come out with a better for you, safer for you alternative to what was existing in the marketplace. And then when I had Quinn, um, I was eating a lot of microwave popcorn a couple of weeks before <laughs> I had him because I just wanted that salty craving at work. Um, and I was eating just like the, the junk, right? I'm not going to name names of big brands, but the brands that I really didn't like that I grew up eating. Um, and so when I had Quinn three days later, I was just so ready to jump in because I had been thinking about it for eight years, just truly nonstop. Um, so that's kind of like the force that happened there. And, and just to make sure that I just heard you right, three days after giving birth to your child, your human child, Quinn, you decide I'm going to start a company? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was crazy. Um, and the funny thing about that was I, I mean, that's time where you kind of, you relax and you bond with your baby. And um, I, I just, I don't think I was built that way. I was so ready to kind of just jump in and do something that I've been dreaming about for the past eight years. Um, and it really, really kind of pissed me off that no one had come in with a healthier, healthier option, right? <laughs> so, so I felt that I, um, I had three months of maternity leave, um, and I had this kind of moment of do it now, um, or and 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 pretty much fail or do it and succeed. In which case, if I fail, I'll go back to work and love. I loved my job, right? So it was a win there, um, or succeed and keep going and. We just haven't stopped since then. <laughs> as, as someone who is uh, days away from going on maternity leave, the last thing I would have thought of was, yeah, I might, I might launch a new company on maternity leave. Uh, can, you, can you talk to us about just what were some of the very first things that you did to, to start getting the company going? 
Yeah. So the, the first thing that we really needed to solve for was the bag, right? So the bag, again, is made up of these, um, it's paper, but then it's lined with chemicals and plastic coatings and then the susceptor. Um, and it really, it's, it's preventing um, oils from leaking through the package, right? Because a lot of the that butter packet is already in the microwave popcorn bag. Um, and then it has that kind of that metal susceptor patch um, where the it prevents dud kernels from happening. Um, but we wanted to take it out. Like I just wanted to use a paper bag. So I called pretty much every paper supplier in the North, really, I mean, in, in our country, and then had to go to Europe because um, everyone couldn't verify. And I also wanted to be compostable, right? So I wanted to make sure that we were we were just using paper, but that the paper was certified compostable. Um, and we couldn't get any of that verification over in the States, unfortunately. So then I started calling um, folks over in Europe and then ended up um, going through a third party who was sourcing paper from Europe. He was based in Connecticut and then um, brought it in um, and then we purchased it. But it took about six months because it was a wild goose chase. I mean, I don't know how I would have done that outside of Google. I mean, I was just Googling everything and everyone and every search word and calling everyone who would listen to me. Um, and then we had a couple of paper um, sources to choose from. And then my husband, he's an engineer. He's actually working at IDEO in Cambridge at the time. Um, and he was, and he's a really good sewer. I can't sew for the for the love. <laughs> so, so he would sew these, these microwave popcorn bags. We'd put popcorn kernels in them and then test them to make sure, you know, how big they need to be to prevent popping and all sorts of um, popping of the bags while popping kernels. Right. Um, so there's a lot of kind of basic, basic, basic science that went behind that. Um, but the paper was the, the biggest challenge. Um, and then, you know, once we solved for the paper, I called um, a bunch of, co-manufacturers to see if they would consider running this paper on the line to make microwave popcorn bags. And everyone I called said it couldn't be done. Like, no, this doesn't work. We tried it before, or we don't believe it's going to work. You're too small. We're not going to do this. Um, And finally, I spoke to someone and he was willing to take a roll of this paper from Europe and roll it uh, and throw it on the, um, the line and he called me and said it worked. They, they have bags for us. So then once we had bags, we started sourcing ingredients. Um, we wanted to secure organic popcorn kernels. Um, that was also kind of a struggle as any, you know, small food founder will tell you it's, it's kind of challenging to source like five or 10 pounds of ingredients that you want to use to make a product in in the beginning, because everyone wants to sell you thousands of pounds and you get totally hosed on pricing and, um, that was pretty challenging. And so um, that took another couple of months to source all the ingredients because we were trying to go direct to the, the grower, right, the farmer, and it was almost impossible to do that. Um, and then when we, I actually found uh, Green Place Foods, I think it was a Google search. Um, I called Dave Vetter um, and he totally got it. I told them what we were trying to do. We we're trying to reinvent microwave pop- popcorn and clean up the category. And this is how we're going to take all the chemicals out of the bag. We're just going to use organic popcorn. We're going to make fun flavors, but they're going to be pour over instead of in the bag. And he just, he was totally sold. And that was, um, I think that was about almost eight and a half years ago. Um, I spoke to him. I remember because Quinn was freaking out in his crib and I was upstairs in our little attic and I could hear him and I wanted to go down and pick him up, but I couldn't because I was on the phone with Dave Vetter. Um, but it turns out, you know, Dave and I were still working together and um, he would have been mad at me that I didn't go get him. (laughs) 
But um, but it was it was intense. It was definitely intense. I, I felt like I was on the phone nonstop for the first year while kind of juggling this sweet little baby who didn't sleep, Quinn has never slept. Um, and so it was a lot of um, headphones and bouncing him everywhere and taking him on walks. I swear I walked like five hours every day um, just because he loved being outside and looking at everything. And then I could also take my calls. Um, but it was, it was pretty intense. We didn't sleep. We definitely did not sleep. And my husband, I mean, after he had a day job, right? So after he was at IDEO, he would come home, we'd quickly have dinner, and then we'd be working until three in the morning. And then Quinn, who didn't sleep, would get up at like four or five, and then we'd just start all over again. Um, so it was, it was definitely challenging. <laughs> I'll <say> that. <laughs> and at what point did you, I, I mean, did you return to work or did you decide not to, like, what, what was the kind of decision point on going for Quinn snacks full time? Yeah. So once we figured out that we could actually source the paper and then make a bag, a true microwave popcorn bag out of the paper and seal it with popcorn kernels and it popped, um, that was, that was, um, well, actually before then, because we actually didn't know that that was possible until halfway through the year. Um, I think I made that call. It was right around the time that I had to go back and this is, I mean, now that I am, I employ people, this is totally like everyone's worst nightmare, right? Like <laughs> the one that you love, like doesn't come back and they give you 24 hours notice. He was so gracious. I, I owe him so much because at the time I didn't really realize the position I was putting him in. I was, I had just turned 30. I was totally, I was young and, um, I should have known better, but, um, I called them and said, I had been working on this concept and he knows that I loved food and, um, he was, he really was, he handled it so well. Um, he was really excited about it and we're still in touch. Um, actually the entire company has been amazing. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was pretty, it was like the, the day before I was supposed to go back and he also granted me a couple more weeks to figure it out. Um, so I was, I was extremely lucky. Did you have any fear about kind of quitting your day job and going after this like crazy popcorn idea as a new mom? Yeah. I mean, you know, what's funny is I actually didn't have any fear. I, when I started it, I realized it was exactly what I was supposed to be doing. Um, I knew that I was just in the right place. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but you know, I had been bouncing around for a couple of years prior to, I mean, I always followed my husband's job. So we were in New York city. Then we moved to, to West Palm beach. And I always had these odd jobs. I was like in, selling advertising in a, in a magazine and I hated it. And I actually wasn't even selling advertising. I was working for someone who was selling advertising in a magazine. And then I was working at an art gallery. And then I landed at Harmonix that I absolutely loved. Um, but I loved food better. And I just felt like it was totally where I wanted to be. I wanted to make a product that ultimately changed the entire landscape. I wanted to truly challenge the, the larger CPG companies. Like if I can figure out how to make it better for you, better for your kids, your grandkids, better for the planet that they can. Um, so it was more of like a, just, I was pissed off and wanted to challenge them to do something differently. Cause I just couldn't believe that this was our landscape. I mean, you walk into a grocery store and you know that it can be done better, but they're not, they're choosing not to do it that way. Um, it really pissed me off. So I, I, um, no, I, I did not have any fear. <laughs> Don't mess with an angry new have. mom. <laughs> <laughs> <Seriously>. <laughs> 
I should have been fearful. And I was totally naive. Like I'd never, you know, I mean, I had no idea what I was walking into. Right. I mean, my, my whole mission was cleaning up classic snacks and starting with microwave popcorn. Um, I had no idea what this was going to take. Um, not at all. Not even close. Mm, so so let's, let's talk about what it took. Um, so you found your bags, you found a source of organic kernels. Uh, this has taken, it sounded like almost a year to figure this out. What, you know, kind of walk us through the next steps of building the company. Yeah. So it took us about a year. And, and during that time, um, Kickstarter was all the rage. I'm not sure if you're familiar or I'm sure you are, but um we had decided that we wanted to launch a video on Kickstarter because at this time we had found our vendors, um, our growers, some ingredient suppliers. And the idea was we had to pay them 50% um, upfront and then 50% so they would ship it to us. Um, and we, we could afford the 50% upfront and we pretty much put our life savings. And at the time it was pretty insignificant. Um, and then maxed out all of our credit cards, your typical story. But then we, we couldn't actually, a lot of our product couldn't ship because they, they had a 50% and we didn't have it. So we ultimately, and we knew this going in, we were like, okay, Kickstarter will be a good, um, a good one. Hopefully if it works. But at, at this moment, we had not told anyone that we were doing this. I mean, Iran knew because I was, you know, I was leaving his company to go start this business. Um, and our moms knew, but we had not told anyone else. Um, and so we, we ended up filming, Coulter filmed the Kickstarter video. Um, he put the whole thing together and then we launched it in August of 2011. And it was right at that time where they were getting a ton of publicity around Kickstarter. So the New York Times wrote a huge article about it. Um, and then Reuters picked it up and we happened to be featured as one of the highlight videos of, of that week. So we got a ton of traction from it. Um, and so we had hoped that we were going to raise about $10,000, um, but we ended up raising 28000 with 744 backers um, and was kind of just validating that there was a need for this because we, you know, we didn't really know if there was going to be a need for a better for you, fun, cleaner ingredient deck, fun flavors, um, popcorn. We had no idea. We were just serving something that I really wanted to do. Um, but that kind of validated this, this idea, this concept. Um, so Kickstarter happened and then in September, back up a little bit in, in summer, I had been going in with pitch cards, um, for Whole Foods foragers in the North Atlantic region. So I started with Fresh Pond and I would go in with Quinn, like, you know, in the, in the stroller and I would say, Hey, if you were in, would you be interested in this if we did something like this? So I had just kind of culture made me these, um, totally still can make the idea manual like handbook that they have <laughs> but it's pretty much these pitch cards that you go in and you pitch this idea to customers without even having a product at the time because we still didn't have a product so when we launched kickstarter and we were able to make the product i went back in september and said we finally have a product would you be willing to put it on your shelves um and five stores said yes and then we just demoed the crap out of it um i i was in whole foods you know when they we were able to do this like eight hours a day, just back-to-back -back demos, um, selling it nonstop. I mean, we were doing farmer's markets on the weekends, selling, driving product around. Um, we worked with a local distributor to help us, but we were really focused on those five Whole Foods stores and then um, a handful of stores in the Boston area and, that, and then all fulfilling all of our Kickstarter orders at the time as well. 
Um, so it was highly, highly focused on Whole Foods. And then Whole Foods one day placed a $30,000 PO and we were out of cash and we, we couldn't make product. And so we called them and it was horrible because I thought we were get so pissed. Like, how can you be out of cash? You guys just started. But we were selling so much product. Um, so they actually were, they were able to give us a local loan um, immediately. And that was in November because I remember it because it was, it was such like a high and low. Like, oh my gosh, we just got a $30,000 PO. And oh my gosh, we have no money and we can't make it. Um, so that's pretty intense. And then, you know, th- then at that time, we raised some money from family and friends. Um, about $150,000. And then just, gosh, I mean, it was such a blur. Honestly, I can't even remember what happened next. It was, it was just intense nonstop, especially with a little baby in tow. My husband's still working full-time at at IDEO and and me kind of going nonstop at this. But in June, we were able to bring in some more money. And then um, we brought on um, one of our first employees, C.V. Howe. Um, He was my sister's best friend from college. And I said, Hey, do you want to help us start this? We need someone in ops. And he's like, sure, I'm in marketing, but okay. <laughs> so he, um, he started and um, culture left the company, left IDEO at that time to join Quinn full-time um, in June of that. Now that was 2012. Is there anything that you, when you look back on those kind of early years that you wish that you had done differently in setting up the company? Oh my gosh, there's so many lessons that I, I mean, so many failures, right? I mean, failure all, every second, pretty much, because you're learning so much as you go, because we truly knew nothing about this industry. Um, We had, I think at the time I was calling one of my good friends, uh, Chris Mears, who's actually uh, the founder of a candy company, Boulder, Little Secrets. Um, But at the time he was working with Eval and he started um, with Bare Naked. Uh, Brendan Sinnott's company who I went to high school with. So I, I did reach out to them. And I remember um, Chris, actually, I, I ran into him after kind of a few years. Um, we hadn't been connected. And he told me to go to Expo East when they were having it in Boston. Um, and so I ran into him and at the booth and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm starting like my popcorn company. He's like, you're fucking crazy. <laughs> no idea what you're getting yourself into. Um, yeah. And I totally, I mean, now looking back, I'm like, I totally was crazy and I am still crazy, but you just don't know. Um, but yes, I think one of the, uh, and it's, I don't think you can really do it at the time because you're just riding every high and every low, but um, I've learned how not to ride every high and every low because it definitely messes with you. Um, you know, you'll, you'll get an amazing piece of news and you'll just be so excited and you celebrate for a second. And then literally like five minutes later, you get like the worst news and you just ride that low all the way to the ground. Um, I think that was it. Everyone says starting a company is definitely a roller coaster ride. I didn't really realize it until I was in it. It it definitely messes, messes with you mentally, physically. Um, so if I had known that and kind of taken a step back, I probably would have tried to even that out a little bit. Definitely. Um, but oh my gosh, I could write a book on all the, the, the mistakes that I made. <laughs> De- <laughs> definitely failed and definitely failed fast and hard. But, you know, I've always, I've always um, kind of considered that as a learning opportunity. Okay, I won't make that mistake again. Um, and just keep going. Because if you, if you just dwell on it, you'll never keep going. You just have to keep going like one foot in front of the other. And, and yes, like realize you made the mistake. Understand why figure out how you can prevent that from happening in the future and then just keep going because you can't stop. Hmm. 
Yeah, I hear you. So there's the Kickstarter and then a friends and family round. Uh, What other fundraising have you done to build Quinn Snacks? And then also kind of building on that, what advice do you have for folks in terms of fundraising? Sure. So um, fundraising was definitely interesting. I mean, we did this early angel round after the family and friends round. um, And that was just, gosh, I mean, I had to start networking, which I really was totally not familiar with, um, and asking people for money, which is really strange. But the the good thing about that is I was not only asking money to just make a product, I was asking money to truly, you know, clean up this industry and and reimagine something that could actually be good for their kids, their grandkids, our planet, right? So we wanted to change the industry. Um, And so that was an easier sell, I think, because yes, you need a product to do that. They kind of go hand in hand. Um, But it was definitely interesting. I mean, the first first round we brought in was about 900, true round we brought in was about 900,000. And it came from, gosh, I mean, 30 people, so many angels. And it was like friends of friends of friends and um, a lot of conversations, um, a lot of hard questions from uh, business folks that I didn't know how to answer. I mean, I had no idea what a PML was when we first started this, not a clue. Um, And so that was pretty difficult. Um, And then, you know, once you kind of get on everyone's radar, like, Two years later, it, it became a little bit easier for us to, to raise money. And then ultimately, I mean, in 2016, we had um, Echo Capital come in and uh, Boulder Food Group come in. Um, and John Forker has been a tremendous supporter since day one, um, which I always love that story because <laughs> I remember, I think I tried to LinkedIn like friend him and he accepted and wrote me this amazing response. And I felt like I had just met, like, I don't know, the president or even, not even the president, like, not, definitely not our current president. You might want, not want to use that in this, <laughs> but, but it was just so amazing. I had been a huge fan of Annie's. I mean, I grew up eating Kraft mac and cheese. And in high school, I convinced my mom to start buying Annie's because it was the better for you version, um, which is funny because I think I loved food even before I really knew it. I loved this industry before I even understood what this industry was. Um and he, you know, was running and building this amazing food company. So um, he's been a huge supporter of ours from from day one and a, a massive mentor of mine. Um, and he also invested at this time. So I think it was really just, again, like following your passion and leading with your passion. I mean, my heart is always on my sleeve and I think people can pick that up. Um, it's not just about making you know, a, a product, but again, I go back to this whole changing the food system. I mean, it, the, the reason I've been able to get, I mean, I have three little boys, right? So, and no maternity leave with either of them essentially. Um, and the reason that I've been able to do this is that this whole idea about farm to bag transparency is I truly believe transparency is the most powerful force for good in our food industry. I mean, if you dig deeper, you ask more questions, Um, you truly make more responsible choices. You seek out better ingredients. You make food better. You, um, you treat your land um, better. I mean, there's all these ag practices that we could go into, but um, that was the whole mission behind Quinn. Um, So I think that that was kind of during the fundraising process. I always started with that. I always led with, this is for, 
this is for good. It's not just a product. If you're investing in a popcorn company or if you're investing in a pretzel company, we are not for you. I mean, you have to invest in the brand. You have to invest in the mission. Um, so I always led with mission first. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I often have a lot of people kind of asking me where, where would when we got our start, you know, like how did we get certain people in the magazine? And I always say, we just asked. Uh, and I mean, it's like amazing how just like looking someone up on LinkedIn or sending someone a note or tracking down someone's email address and sending them a little note. Like if you, if you're interested in especially the same things they're interested in a very, very, you know, you'll, you keep the worst they can say is no. Uh, so I love that story about job fork or like responding to you on a LinkedIn request. (laughs) Definitely. And the worst thing they can say is no, for sure. I mean, we sent the first couple of weeks we had product. I sent a care package to every single Netflix executive with a handwritten <laughs> note and no one wrote me back because <laughs> I thought it was such a no brainer, right? Like you could do like, you know, clean popcorn movie nights and coupons. I'm still, I'm still going to try and figure that out. But, um, and it was fine. It was just like, at least we tried. I mean, that, that's the thing. You just have to do everything you can. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but at least you know that, that you tried, you tried, <laughs> but that's okay. So where are you now as a company? Uh, you know, kind of what growth have you seen? Uh, if you're to say today, what is Quinn Snacks? What does it look like? Sure. So we've definitely come a long way. Um, and it has it really hasn't been easy. I mean, 2018 um, was a very challenging year for us. And we had, um, we hired, I think, too quickly. I mean, that's a big lesson that I've learned is, is never hire quickly, hire truly the right candidate. I mean, that takes a lot of time to find, right? And you want all your employees to buy into that candidate because you're all working together. You're a team, you're on the same playing field. Um, and so that was my, my biggest lesson learned. Um, we also, you know, we had some struggles, um, with our new product pretzels. Actually, we launched the first ever whole grain, um, that happens to be gluten-free, non-GMO project verified, um, pretzel line. Um, and then we launched into the fir- the world's first um, gluten-free peanut butter filled nugget in January, uh, this past January. That's been flying, knock on wood. So we're really excited about that. But um, we we did make some decisions that uh, that was an interesting year. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> um, and I think that there were so many lessons learned there. And and now it's this year has been so fantastic. We have we have a really small team. We have six people on our team. Um, six people and we're super efficient, focused. We all, we're all kind of like the same personality. We get along really, really well together. Um, we're all super driven and it's really exciting. Um, cause I think sometimes you add too many team members, um, and then you kind of, you kind of go down this rabbit hole of, um, you have too many people you're trying to do too many things, trying to launch too many things. You're not really focused on what truly matters. Um, and that was uh, the hardest lesson I had to learn in 2018. Um, but we learned it and we're applying it and it's, it's been a really good year so far. Um, we're growing pretty quickly. Um, we had, uh, the peanut butter nuggets were exclusive to Whole Foods for the first three months. So we could kind of get a a handle around what that was going to look like. Um, and then in terms of, just keeping our team small. Um, again, it really goes back to making sure everyone's on the same page, making sure everyone's focused on the same things. Um, and I'm just really proud of everyone we've hired on the Quinn team. So I feel like, you know, after eight and a half years, it definitely has not been a piece of cake at all. It's, 
it's a it's just truly a struggle every day. Um, but it's a good struggle because you're fighting. You know that what you're doing is going to ultimately impact food um, on a larger scale, and that's really exciting. Um, but we have microwave popcorn. We're we're in Target, um, Amazon, HEB, Kroger, Publix, and then um, our pretzels, um, Whole Foods, NCG, Infra. Um, some larger accounts are picking it up and we're really just focused on the natural specialty channel there, mom's market, like all these great accounts that have been supporting us from day one. So we're really just trying to focus there and, and build, um, build our brand. And what would you say has been one of the best moments so far on the journey? Oh my gosh, there's so many good moments. Um, Oh gosh, I don't, I'm picking one. Um, I truly think that one of the best moments is um, when you fail at something and you, cause there've been times where we've almost lost this company due to decisions we've made. Um, I think the best moments is when folks can come and surround you and um, our investors were able to kind of rally around Quinn. Our team members were able to stick through and rally around Quinn. And you realize like how, I'm so thankful and grateful for the people around this company because yes, like it can take one person with a vision, um, but it definitely, you, that's, that one person cannot grow this company. I mean, the team really is growing this company. And so um, I, I've never been more proud of where the company is today because again, we've, we've gone through a lot of, of bumps in the road, um, a lot of failures, but again, we've, we've failed fast and hard. Um, we've hit rock bottom and when you hit rock bottom and then and then you're you come out of that, I think that has that has this moment of clarity and success um, where you might not view that as success if you had not been there. Mm. So that's um, that moment. I think was probably my a big win for me. It's not a retailer. It's not you know fundraising. It's when people can rally around your company and your mission and and pick it back up and, and keep going. So, yeah. Um, so as you know, a leader of this organization, what are you struggling most with right now? Um, struggling. I actually, it's pretty good right now. I must say, you had asked me that last year. I could have, I could have rattled so many things off. Um, I'm not, I, I feel really good about the place that we're in, about the people behind this company. Um, just, I am, I'm not struggling right now. Ask me that tomorrow. This is the, the high <laughs> <quote>. <laughs> um, But uh, no, I, again, like we just have such an awesome team and we have an awesome group of investors. We have amazing supporters in our industry and surrounded by, by uh, just phenomenal people and, um, I, I, I view struggle as something different. If you'd asked me, you know, eight years ago, struggle is definitely a different word for me now. Um, but I'm not struggling right now. I think you might be the first person that's ever said that <laughs> on this, on the show that you're not struggling with anything right now. I feel so happy for you. I'm not, I'm not, I, I just, I know that it, it's kind of a funny, funny thing to say, but, um, I've, I have struggled a lot and, and you know, when you're really struggling and you're not really struggling and I'm not really struggling right now. So I'll enjoy this for a little bit. I'm sure, you know, in a couple of months I'll be struggling with something. 
Um, do you have anything in terms of like a daily or weekly routine that helps kind of serve your personal sustainability? I mean, you're a mother of three young boys, you're running this company. Um, how are you staying sane? Yeah, that's a good question. So I started getting into journaling and that, that I would wake up at like five and journal and try to do the whole meditation thing. My kids, I swear they can like smell me. I'll get out of my bed and then they'll just <laughs> So that, that didn't work at all. Um, and, you know, I tried going to the gym at 5.30, but still they'd hear me. And then I would feel guilty that I would be going to the gym and not spending time with them. So I um, I don't know. It's pretty, it's not a stop. I, I, I don't have a lot of, of me time, I guess. Um, but, you know, I, I love cooking. So I've just started cooking again because I just haven't had time. I started cooking and that's really like 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock cooking. Um, and then I'll try and go for hikes with some of my girlfriends in Boulder and all related to food. So Elizabeth from Purely Elizabeth and I are trying to do a hike this weekend. Um, but it has been nonstop. I, I will say the balance of life and work is there really is no balance. <laughs> I know people like to believe that, <laughs> but there, there really isn't. And I have a husband. So I mean, <laughs> you know, I talk about my kids and the company and then, you know, culture over here. Um, so it's, uh, I'm, I'm doing the best that I can and we are outside as much as we can. That's kind of my saving grace. Um, when I'm, when I'm home, but it is nonstop. I'm not going to lie. It's mm -hmm. crazy. And, and speaking of your relationship, I, I mean, you're co-founders of a company with your own husband. What is the secret to making that work? Yeah. So the secret to making that work is um, he left the company. <laughs> 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 it, was, it was so hard. Um, I'm really, I'm not going to lie on that either. I mean, I, I could write a, a complete book on that. That was the most challenging, um, but it was amazing because we, we came out of that alive, <laughs> but it was, it was really hard. I mean, early on we had to figure out, okay, he was doing marketing and branding. Um, and then I'm such a color freak. I would jump in on like that green isn't bright enough or dark enough or, you know, soft enough. Um, and then I was really just doing ops, um, ops and sales and kind of uh, vision and, and doing a lot of the farm to bag, um, transparency, supply chain stuff. Um, so we separated it pretty early on, but then, you know, we realized that is so hard. I mean, waking up and, you know, raising these three little kids and then going to work together and then coming home and then doing the whole dinner back bedtime routine and then getting on your computer again until like two in the morning. Cause that still happens. Right. Um, that was really hard. Um, also he never really, I pulled him into the food industry. Um, and I, I absolutely love this, but he, um, he's a product designer and engineer. And so he actually just founded this company called Sunday Lawns. Um, it's a direct to consumer sustainable lawn care system. So it's interesting because he's, you know, trying to, um, kind of reinvent, reimagine lawn care space, um, reducing chemicals and pesticides and herbicides on your lawn, um, safer for people, kids pets, family, and, and et cetera. But it's, it's interesting because like it's ag, right? And we're, we're trying to change ag on a different level um, with uh, transparency and ingredients and, and farmers and growers and regenerative and you name it. So it, it's funny, we're, just, we're doing somewhat similar things, but on different ends of the spectrum. Um, but now it, we're both crazy because now we have two small companies and um, <laughs> yeah. <stop> and... <laughs> 
that just that just added another layer of complexity to the entire thing. Um, but, but that's what our lives are right now. Um, so kind of looking back on all of this, uh, you've mentioned a couple things throughout that have been kind of top pieces of advice, but I'm curious, what are the top maybe two to three pieces of advice that you have for other business leaders? Sure. I think it's, I mean, this is so generic because everyone used to tell me this, but I think the concept of absolutely loving what you do is, is critical. Um, because I think there, there's a passion and passion and passion and love, you know, are, are kind of the same thing, but I think sometimes passion can stop, right? You could love something so much and be working so hard at it. Um, and then that can kind of dissolve. Um, if that ever dissolves, I would, I would really kind of consider, you know, make, maybe making sure that you bring someone in to run the business or um, you figure out what you like and what you love apart uh, about the business that you could go um, work on. Um, but I think that, you know, someone told me that early on, like really love what you're doing because it is going to be hard as hell. And if you don't love it, um, you're going to wake up one day and realize what have I been doing the past couple of years? I mean, I've been doing this, I mean, by choice, um, you know, I could have you know, stayed home with my three little kiddos. I could have had a part-time job. I could have had a job that doesn't require 24 seven. I could have traveled less. Um, but this was a choice that I'd made because I absolutely felt a need and a vision for this brand and this company and for the food industry. And I had to do this. Um, it was a passion that has never, um, it has always been there. Right. Um, and I, I do think that my one advice was make sure you have the passion to do this because you're going to need it. Um, and if you don't have it, it's totally fine, but maybe find something else. <laughs> um, and I think that's, that's one piece of advice. And then the other piece of advice, I mean, I would ask so many questions early on. Um, everyone would be like, oh my gosh, Christine, your questions. But I didn't know anything. And so I admitted that up front. I had no idea what I was doing, right? Um, none. And so I would, I would openly admit that. And when you admit that, it's interesting how people will just automatically kind of help you off the bat. Okay. Well, she doesn't know anything about this. She doesn't know anything about manufacturing. She has no idea what a PNL is. <laughs> Nothing. Um, and it's amazing how you, you learn quickly because then people around you will answer your questions and take time to, to help you learn. Um, but my, my biggest, um, I think attribute is in the early days, just asking a lot of questions because I could have pretended to know something um, and not know it. Um, but it was ask a lot of questions, especially about things you don't know. Excellent. Well, and last question here, um, what is giving you hope for the future? Yeah. So, uh, the future in, um, this industry or the future for Quinn or anything, future of anything, future of the world, future of your company, future of your life, anything. Yeah. So I, I think, again, going back to our whole mission of this farm to bag um, policy that goes um, kind of hand in hand with our, our, our deep ethos of Quinn and how we started. But um, the idea around Quinn with this farm to bag transparency policy was, um, which is rarely spoken about. I mean, there's this massive gap between conventional farming and organic farming. And that's where we've always tried to come in and you know, ask our suppliers, okay, can you apply like pesticides and herbicides before flowering instead of after flowering? Can you do, can you do less tillage? Can you um, use more, uh, you know, diverse crops and, you know, all this stuff that you would ask. Um, and I think there's, there's a lot happening there right now, which is, 
amazing. I mean, transparency was not a buzzword when we started um, at all. Like we would ask for documents, we would ask questions and no one would give us the information. And now transparency is becoming so common. Um, I mean, if you look at the microwave popcorn set, uh, the artificial butters are being taken out of a lot of the um, microwave popcorn skews on the shelf. And it's kind of fascinating because I, I would like to, to believe, and I'll just pretend for a second, but I'd love to believe that we were kind of a force in that. Um, and so I, I'm really positive that our food industry is headed in the right direction. Um, it's, it's really positive for me to see this and it's really, really exciting and um, consumers are catching on and buyers are catching on and it's exciting. It's really exciting for everyone to be a part of this, this change for the common good. Um, I'm really grateful that we're a part of it. A huge thanks this week goes out to Christy Lewis and the whole team over at Quinn Snacks, as well as our incredible production team at StoryPop Media and the whole Conscious Company Media team. If you like what you're hearing, we'd be so grateful if you tell a friend about the show. And be sure to subscribe to get the latest episode. Thanks so much for listening. A StoryPop Media Production.